really love music. And maybe that's an early sign of being an entrepreneur. Work hard and don't be a dick. You're listening to Between Us, a conversation series brought to you by The Manifesto. All right, I'm Andrew McGinnis, the CEO of Teamwork Management. We manage Diplo, A-Track, Major Laser, Dylan Francis, Flostradamus, and a variety of other clients. I'm here with Tom Windish. What are you, are the CEO of the Windish Agency? Uh-huh. The namesake? I, saw, I, I say I'm the owner. Owner of the Windish Agency. Uh, it's a booking agency that books tours for bands uh, around North America, South America, Asia, Australia. Uh, we book tours for... 850 different artists. Uh, We have a major presence in uh, popular music today. I graduated from college in 2005, and I found, like, the Windish Agency came on my radar in, like, 06, I think, because that's when I got my first job at a record label, and it was definitely, like, the cool agency that you wanted to book your bands. And I started managing indie rock bands and doing A&R record labels, and... The first band I had booked by the Windish Agency is actually a band called The Chain Gang in 1974, who we still manage, and Sam Hunt at Windish still books, and is the reason why I ended up partnering with my business partner, Kevin Kusatsu, who was an A&R guy at Warner Brothers, and he signed Chain Gang to Warner Brothers, and he introduced me to Sam Hunt. The Chain Gang was how I met these dudes initially, and then when we started Teamwork, Kevin was managing Diplo previous to Teamwork being formalized. Um, and then Sam, and then Kevin and I started managing A-Track. So it's like constantly this like windish thing kept coming back up and back up and back up. And we started teamwork and we just had our four year anniversary. So we started in 2011. Um, and now I think half of our clients are booked by the windish agency. I mean, my, my start is, is a funny story. Um, I, I had a lawn mowing business in high school and junior high. I hired someone who was older than me who had a driver's license to drive me around and mow lawns. And uh, I listened to music all the time. Um, I was DJing a little bit with tape decks <laughs> um, and and records once in a while and, and never had any idea that I wanted to do music as a job. But when I got to college, I went to Binghamton in upstate New York. Um, I met a guy who was like, uh, I also super into music. I met him at orientation, and he was like, "Let's let's go check out the radio station." That had never crossed my mind, um, but I was like, "Okay." So we walked over there, and I was like, "This is rad! Uh, I want to do that." And that became like my group of friends and my and the thing I was obsessed with, my my extracurricular activity. That's funny because when I, I was, in, I feel like everyone in, in music we either toured, like didn't go to college and went on the road. Um, Worked at the college radio station or ran the concert committee. Also randomly, um, when this friend of mine at the school was in charge of this tiny concert group with, that the radio station had, and when I was a freshman, uh, I think early in my freshman year, he he's like, I'm going to drop out of school. Do you want to put on this show that's in like two weeks? Uh, it was the feelies. It was the last day of class. <laughs> And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be amazing. And did the show, and it was, it was like the, the, the best experience I'd ever had in my right. life or something. And, uh, and then I was in charge of this tiny little concert group. I booked um, a couple more shows, 
anyway, this guy came to me and he's like, I'm uh, in charge of all of the uh, like s concerts for the entire school. I, he, was, he was like the activities director or something. And he's like, the only shows that I went to or the or want to go to are the ones that you've booked. So would you like to like be in charge of the whole thing? And you just like report to me. And I went from having a budget of like five grand to a hundred grand. Yeah. Um, within like twelve months or something, and then I went nuts. Like I pretty much stopped going to class and and studying, and I just put on shows like all the time. It's interesting because the first people I met, I didn't know anyone in the music business, and the first people I met were like. I remember Matt Galley, and I remember like Christian McKnight, and I remember concert ideas people. Like you kind of right. meet these people that are interfacing with, that are willing to do business with an eighteen-year-old or a nineteen-year-old. Right. And I still know a lot of those people. You yeah. Know, they yeah. become your the the beginnings of your network to a degree. I got an internship at William Morris, um, which I think was really competitive, but I was able to get it because I'd done so many shows with them and and some favors and stuff. So I had a lot of agents there pulling for me, and and then I figured out immediately after like week one like I want to do this um, and I started going up to bands in, in New York that nobody wanted to book and saying like I want to be your agent and they were like all booking themselves while you were an intern yeah while I was an in intern which which basically led to me losing the internship like pretty <laughs> soon after but um, but then I so I started bug booking uh, I was booking all these bands that nobody wanted nobody else wanted to book and really the only bands that would work with me were ones that couldn't get an, any other agent to book them and I was still obsessed with them I mean it was pre-internet right you know, I didn't even know where to book them you know, I'd have to like ask people for phone numbers I was bugging clubs to book them they didn't want to book them and I'd call up like this club 15 minutes in DC and they'd be like call back in so an hour this was the fake it the fake it till you make it part of your career yeah yeah it's yeah. cool we've all had that part between Us is supported by Berklee College of Music, the world's premier learning lab for our music artists of tomorrow. It's interesting because how you build a team, that question, like how you hire people, I, I want to know. To me, if I see someone that majored in the music business, quote unquote, versus ran their concert committee, tour managed for a few years, ran a club, intern at an agency that I respect, I would be more inclined to hire someone that actually went and got experience rather than learned theory. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the, like the hustle of learning how to teach yourself is like the first step in becoming good at this job. Um, because you learn quickly that this is like not easy, highly competitive. There is a ton of nepotism. And if you need to kind of like muscle your way in or elbow other people out of the way, the only competitive edge you can give yourself is an education and knowledge. And in order to do that, you need to go meet people. And like, for me to work at a record label from 19 to 24 and to watch people get fired and let go and different people come in and out was a stressful experience, but it was beneficial because I got to meet 85 different people, a lot of whom are doing wonderful, great things now, and many of whom work at Teamwork or work at an agency or another management company that we work with. So I've just always kind of notice the common thread between different people, whether it's you or Sam or Kusatsu or myself, where it's all the hands-on experienced people that found a lot of the success. And maybe that's an early sign of being an entrepreneur or being motivated or being ambitious in the right ways. But 
it seems to be there for everybody. And even now, as I get to meet bigger people in this industry, or like the kind of captains of the industry to a degree, they're all the same way, mm-hmm. you know? And if you look at Jonathan Daniel or Peter Mensch or these other, the Cliff Bernstein, these other guys were just like really like hardworking, like white knuckle guys that were just really smart and like retained a lot of knowledge very quickly and were able to build businesses with the knowledge they learned as opposed to dedicate themselves to building someone else's business, mm-hmm. which there's, you know, there is a lot of value in that as well for people like myself and for you that intelligent people and hardworking people want to work at other companies. But it is definitely a theme I've noticed with people that start and run their own businesses that are successful is that they oftentimes are willing to do the harder option as opposed to just the, I'm going to take the class and get the credit and hope that I get given something out of this. It's an incredible amount of hustle. Yeah. I mean, to be an agent um, and, and, you know, you're always like, it's kind of like being a cat landing on your feet and right. figuring things out. And I think it applies extremely well to being an entrepreneur. Um, you just kind of go for it. Like, I don't know exactly where things are going to lead. You never, you never do with like any client. This could be huge or this could be nothing, but you like go in there and like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to figure this out. Well, there's kind of no excuse these days where at every, anything you'd want to learn about this business or another business you can find on the internet, right? Like yeah. you can spend, hours educating yourselves in in all of these things and even take someone to dinner and educate yourself in it and then really you're just trying to learn how to pick the best person for a job as you're going outside of your comfort zone of music or booking or Mm -hmm. managing or whatever it might be when Um, i started windish uh one of the things i didn't think i did that well when i was at the previous agency was like getting out there and meeting people i lived in chicago i didn't travel very much i think i'd only been into la once and eight years or something um, and I hadn't been in New York that much the first thing I did um, probably a month in was move to London for six weeks just to meet everybody just to meet people I made a list of 125 people that I wanted to know right um, and I just wanted to go get to know their story and wanted them to know me and tell them like this is what I'm doing it's new and that was a remarkable um, trip I, I met the manager of the XX for instance and I had no idea that he managed the XX. He he had a really cool seven-inch label. He was like 21 years old or something, and I just knew like, I want to meet this guy. Uh, he has amazing taste, and you know, at, at that meeting, he like handed me a CD. He's like, I want you to hear this band. It's the it's it's this band. I'm going to manage them. I think they're going to be massive, and I pl- took it home and played it that night. And it was like, wow, you know, this is great. Right. And I called him the next day. He was like, I'd love to talk to you about this. That trip was was huge. Um, I've got a running list of people I want to meet in all these different cities. It's like an Excel document with tabs, you know. People right, I'm sure it's York. grown beyond music people at this point, right? right? Way beyond, way beyond. Right. Between Us is supported by WeTransfer, the easiest way to send large files for all creatives. WeTransfer uses its wallpaper background to support creative talent. And you can learn more at www.wetransfer.com. We really love music. We really, really love music. And it's really hard to say like what the tangible benefit of that of that is, but it's a huge difference than than these other companies. That it is not about loving music, it's about money. Um, and I think the money like comes you know eventually when when you love music but 
I love like acts that sell 50 tickets as much as I do the ones who sell 10,000 tickets. Um, I only choose to work with like acts that I like absolutely adore. Um, and I'll work like just as hard for that small one as I will the big one. Um, in hopes that like, yeah, it's going to get there, but if it doesn't, I think these people are amazing. Um, I mean, to talk about planning the block party where, you know, we have, we have our headliners and we always start with, you know, we want to do 30,000 tickets in New York city and we have major laser and Jack Ewan, and Antwerd and Tyler, the creator. But then we want th this element of like the people that are opening the block party this year should be the people that are headlining it next year. That's a big thing for us every year. And we've done it with Dylan Francis and we've done it with Flostradamus and we've done it with a lot of the people that teamwork manages and Windish is the agency for. And now in terms of like who that like real freshman class of artists is, I will call Latney and Evan and be like, what are you guys booking? Right? Like what's up with snake hips or, you know, a variety of different things because those guys are just on this wavelength that I don't know anyone else that's on. So they've become a big resource for me just in terms of like, Sam, can you call them and find out like what they think is next or what they think yeah, is cool? Yeah, I think our competitors like kind of think that we, like we got to these things before they did, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like we took chances on them before they cared at all. You were early. Yeah, yeah. it's a distinct difference. As an agent, I feel like one of my main responsibilities is to connect my clients, my, the artists, to people that put on events. Uh, I'm a connector. Uh, so, like, communication, uh, I've always thought I, I need to reply to people immediately. Um, and I've, like, really uh, instilled that um, value in the people that work at the company. It's one of our three main principles. Respond to people immediately. Book bands that you like. Be nice to people. Other places, not just agencies, but management companies, agencies, record labels, there's a million other people trying to take credit for the one or two successes that are happening internally, and that's not something I've ever witnessed on your end. I think the goodwill goes a long way internally and externally, and that's something I think we've had a lot of. It's goodwill. It's making sure that if we like what you're doing, we might call you and try to help you, or we might call you and hook your artist up, or we might call you and just say, hey, we noticed what you're doing, you're doing a great job. And, and with no ulterior motive, just because I wanna be in business with people like that. I wanna be friendly with people that are doing the work that we're doing, like the good work that we are also doing. And I think a lot of people discount that component in the music business, because it's traditionally been so you know, cutthroat and conniving, and it's a business invented by the mob, and blah, 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 whatever else you could say about it. A lot of times for new artists, it's based on like what their goals are, what they're good at, what they're bad at. They, they might never want to use Twitter. Fine, Twitter is out, right? Whatever whatever the tool is that they choose to use or choose not to use, we'll try to um, cultivate. We have found tremendous value in not taking the, the short money. We've gained a lot from, from taking the chance of building real cultures around our clients. We've had tremendous um, fortune in having clients that trust us and that have vision and that like, I would put Diplo alongside Teamwork, alongside Windish in terms of his ability to look at a group of people 
and be like, this is what Kevin does for me. This is what Andrew does for me. This is what Renee does for me. This is what Windish does for me. He knows how to delegate in a way and how to trust in the right people in a way that I think has helped him succeed in, in the things he wants to execute. And there's not a lot of people like that in the world. You know, and if you compare it to other genres of music, you see the biggest artists are like that. Like to me, Jay-Z is like that, right? These people that have plans and they know how to bring in people to do the things they want to do and they have vision to do, but they understand that they don't know exactly how to execute or they don't have the time to do or whatever it might be. So like we can't really go, I can't have this conversation honestly without talking about Dylan and Flosher Thomas and A-Track and all of their abilities to lean on and trust in us and have a symbiotic relationship with the management company, with the agent so that their vision does get executed, but they're giving us the leeway and the freedom to execute it in the way that we need to. You, you like will go and riff, riff with your, your clients and they have like all these crazy ideas and you actually like say, let's take those crazy ideas and get even crazier. Yes. You know? and I yeah. Think, that's the like, fun part. A lot of managers like take like, all right, let's take these crazy ideas and control it. Like, let's go down to the one that is going to make the most money. And path of least resistance. To achieve. Yeah, we definitely um, don't take the path of least resistance. <laughs> and, I mean, I, I'd say that we embrace that philosophy as well. Well, that's what keeps it fun and interesting. You yeah. know, like, the, the things that excite me are, are, like, you know, we did this tour two years ago. We did a tour of the Caribbean by sailboat where we, like, pull into a, like, a, on a pier. And we would play a show on the pier and then we sail to a different pier. And it was totally insane. And, like, we didn't. We broke even, which was the goal, but it was one of the coolest things we've ever done. Like, no goal or ambition is too small. Like, there's nothing that we can't accomplish, and we'll bring in people and hire people and find experts into things that we want we want to accomplish. So when we started teamwork, when me and Kevin went into business together, um, Dylan was the young guy that was with Kevin. Like, he wasn't known yet, but he had been signed to Mad Decent, so he was taken under Diplo's wing a bit, and... He had just put out his first EP, I think, in 2010 or 2011. I don't remember the exact date. Um, and we really, from the outset with Dylan, we did this constant, like, he would be putting out a single or an EP, and then we would tour him like a band. So we never, we we did some of the soft, like, when you're a DJ, you can do very soft ticket touring for a long time. And when I say short money, that's an example of what I'm talking about. You can make... 10 grand a night for the rest of your life or something, right? If, if you did it like that and you could play certain club scenes in major cities. But if you do it like a band and you get out there and you prove that you are worth actual hard tickets in different markets across the country, then your value goes up. It's much easier to command stage times, billing slots, money from major festivals. And it's been four years of that. And now Dylan is enormous. And he's, our, he's one of our biggest clients. And he really it's consistency and that every year it will get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's gone from little new york shows to 10,000 tickets in new york city and 10,000 tickets in los angeles and that's 3 to 4 years of of building and building and building him doing his job of making great music and keeping his fans entertained and myself and kevin and Brad Owen and a few other guys on his creative team that have constantly reinforce the things that we were trying to do. You're listening to Between Us, a conversation series brought to you by The Manifesto. Between Us is supported by Squarespace, a web publishing platform that provides creative tools that power the future of the web. Whether you want to create a blog, e-commerce store or portfolio, 
You can express your ideas with Squarespace. Learn more at www.squarespace.com. This podcast was brought to you by Boom Chakalaka Productions.